0: Don't forget, head over to Larry Hankin's website, TheRealLarryHankin.com. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to my show, A Voice To Be Reckoned With. I'm your host, Brandy Joy, and today I have a special guest, Larry Hankin. Larry Hankin, he's a director, an actor, a comedian. Larry stars on El Camino, Breaking Bad, Annie, Billy Madison, Escape from Alcatraz, And he also was in Friends and Seinfeld and many, many more. Larry's here talking about his ventures and experiences that he's went through as an actor in his career and things in his personal life. I think he's way cool and a humble down-to-earth, and I just want to share him with you guys. So welcome him and show him love. Okay, okay, I think I'm ready for this. All right. I prepared myself, but I just still feel a little on edge, like my palms are sweaty or something. And I don't know, if I just begin and don't really think too much, I don't know. I just feel like I'm gonna fumble over words and wait a minute, I do this every show. (laughs) I'm a pro at this. I'm about to kill this. (sighs) Larry, can you please tell us what it is that makes you so amazing?
1: It's, uh, the latest thing I have is a book coming out, well it just came out uh, about a okay, uh, weeks ago it's called The Loopholes Dossier and it's a, a satire, it's a funny uh, story of uh, liars, hustlers and, um, and uh, pickpocket, a pickpocket a runaway pickpocket uh, it's a comedy, it's about three different people one is a runaway 15 uh, year old who turns out to be a Pickpocketing prodigy and mm. how he gets along. Uh, and then the next one is a, about a 55 year old, 60 year old politician and how he hustles and lies and gets along. Uh, that takes place in the future. And then uh, a, a homeless guy uh, who refers to himself as an independent, entrepreneurial beggar, panhandler saint. And what his hustle is, and, and how he can stay alive and survive. And he gives lessons to people about uh, homeless people about it. It, it. It's funny. It's just, I used to be a homeless, so I kind of know about that world. I lived in my car for a year way back in the day when I was a lot younger. Uh, so I just thought I would uh, write about three things that I know not pickpocketing, but. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, <laughs> hustle the hustle okay. on the street
0: uh, okay. and, and
1: politicians you know i've been dealing with that for years politicians
0: okay okay
1: um so yeah, yeah I let me just add one thing there that uh, you can buy it in on amazon or any bookstore or it's, it's done for sale all over the world it's either in a, an e-book you can order it for i think it's Two ninety nine or something like that and then there's a hardcover book and it's got illustrations in it too that I drew and painted and stuff so it's pretty cool so I actually make okay. a great Christmas present for somebody
0: really oh, really
1: cool Christmas okay. present
0: okay wow thank you so everybody here Amazon two uh, I'm there yeah <laughs> <And> I'll, <laughs> and I'll definitely keep presenting that on my show I'll let people know you know doing that yeah thank uh, you. that would be,
1: really, be really cool so, yeah uh, not a problem I've heard about I've heard from several people who've read it. They thought it was really really cool. I've got some you know reviews. Oh, and I also have a website, thereallarryhankin.com. It's in beta now. We're being it's up. You can visit it, but it's not fully completed. We're adding stuff uh, every couple of days. We're adding stuff. You'll be able to uh, see stuff that I've done, some of my video films (laughs) that I've made, and. Eventually, you'll be able to buy stuff. I guess you know. We'll see how it okay. goes, but it's a it's a cool site. You just, just okay. should just should visit it just to see it.
0: All right, then not a problem. I'll definitely add that onto my website too—a link where people can reach it too. Oh, uh, great! Yeah. Thank
1: you very much. That's really nice.
0: Okay. Thank you. No problem. You're 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 part of the family now. Once you enter, you know, on the show, voice we record, now you're a family member. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Get all. Get all the benefits. yeah Oh wow! Um, So yeah, I was gonna ask you what inspired that, and then you told you you, you told us, you know, you said you the once upon a, you know, back in the day you were um, you were homeless. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that was um, quite an adventure. Yeah, how was was that for you? Because you know, as as we know here, you became a really you know a well known you know you know actor. And so, how was that? Like, how did you that from that struggle? How did you get to where you are now? Well.
1: Um, how did I, I got there by just, but I got to become homeless. Many people become homeless for no other reason, uh, for a lot of reasons that are not their fault. Uh, that's what I learned on the street, that homeless people are not less intelligent than anybody else and mainly they're used to have jobs like everybody else. It's just, in my case, it was procrastination and that was my fault. I just procrastinated because I left my. Uh, I lived on a little tiny, little houseboat out in San Francisco Bay. Uh, I was paying like fifty dollars uh, a month, and it was just an empty hull of a of a boat that they kind of furnished whoever owned it and rented it out. And all it had was just little place where you can put a mattress if you had a mattress (laughs) it didn't come with anything and a wire from the dock for one light or or I guess you could plug in a couple of lights if you had an extension cord and that was my electricity there's no phone or anything back in those days there was no digital phones there's no iPhones or anything like that so I lived there and then I got a job in New York so I left a little boat in uh, in San Francisco and I was only going to be away for three weeks. And the, the job, I uh, helped a friend write, uh, extended for two months. I was living in his apartment, and he was paying me. And, uh, he was paying me. So I thought, well, okay, I, the lady who was my landlord lived on the dock, and I really never did. I was living there for about three or four months, and I never did understand what the address was. I would just row in, in every month and pay her cash, and then row out to my little home. So an address was never, you know, you know. I would just row in and knock on the door and say, "Here's the rent," and row out. So when I was in New York, I didn't know where to send the money. So I just thought, well, I'll wait and, you know, when I go back in two months, then I'll just pay her two months plus. I'll give her maybe an extra something just for, you know, hanging her up. But when I got back. Um, it was already rented she had taken everything that i owned that was on the boat and threw it overboard because i hadn't paid the rent for two months so i was homeless (laughs) so it's it's simple as that very direct uh so i was on the street and living in my car a little old the old uh, a classic old uh, 1965 BW bus you know the cream and cream and, cr- and green colored buses that you see in all the ads back then And yeah. it was hollowed out it, there was nothing in it I mean it was it was bare it was like a, actually it was like a truck uh, it was just down to the metal there was no seats in it there was no cloth in it it was just metal it was hollow and I uh, it was actually given to me as a gift for five bucks. So that's kind of how how worthless it was. You, you couldn't really sell it. Uh, so there was no seats in it except the driver's seats. And there was a box that if you were riding with me shotgun, you sat on a, on a, on a wooden box. And that was the passenger seat because I needed all the room to, to sleep in and, and, you know, keep my clothes and whatever books I had. So that went on for about a year. I lived there, and, and I got I really got into it. I uh, I can say that I'm a survivor. I, I got I got along. I understood, you know, who to see for what, when, and how. And then finally, I, I started to get jobs uh, in the in the committee, which was an offshoot of Second City, up in San Francisco. And from there, I just wandered down. Uh, with a, other, the other actors down to LA and became an actor. So, and then I you know, started to be able to pay my own rent and I didn't leave without telling the landlady ever again. So I've <laughs> been homeless uh, <laughs> since. So I learned That's my lesson. Awesome.
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I, I, you know what, Larry, I like when you said that a lot of people are homeless due to, you know, because, you know, like, it's not that they want to. You know what I mean? They They lost the
1: job. They were fired. The the fire, uh, you know, fires in California. I mean, half of Northern California is homeless right now because of all the Mm -hmm. fires. And there's no relief for them. So, I mean, they're going to be, I mean, and they know it, they're going to be homeless for a long time. I mean, months, probably a year. They're going to be homeless. That's a lot of people up there. And I live down in L.A. Uh, I live near, near the beach uh, in an apartment house, but uh, I, I see here, I mean, they're all over the place. Homeless people on the street and on side streets and alleys, uh, it, it's, it's rampant all, all over the United States. I think, frankly, just from what I see and from what I lived it, uh, we now are starting to grow a permanent pauper class. Gonna, I mean, there's no way that you can get everybody off the street, and I, I, it's it's going to be a problem, and it's not getting any uh, any better that I yeah, that I yeah. can see. And uh, gee, I hope that somebody's you know working on the problem. I, I know there's a lot of uh, you, you know groups working on it, but it, it's growing faster than the the groups helping are growing. So. It's, yeah. a, it's a problem. So I, I okay. anyway, that served me uh, well because what I did when you're homeless, uh, one of the things that nobody ever talks about is you have a lot of time on your hands. I mean, like, well, you know, that's time you can go look for work. You yeah. can only look for work for so many hours in a day and then getting around because you don't have a car,
2: yeah. uh,
1: you have to take a bus. So mm-hmm. there's only so many places that you can go, or you know, blah blah no. blah. So, using using that other time that you have, and there's no way to fill it. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. pretty it, it's pretty hard. So I was writing, and that's what that book, uh, the Loopholes, the Loopholes dossier is all about. Uh, oh, I, I, a third of it. That was the the homeless guy is based on me and my hustle when I was homeless, and. I mean, even though it's dire straits, it's, it's funny, you know. As Shakespeare said, the worst turns to laughter yeah. after you're out of the worst. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, maybe I guess even, no, I, I think even in the midst of it, the thing that keeps That's you going is your sense of humor. Laughing. If you lose your sense yeah. of humor, yeah. you're, you're, it's going to be much tougher. You know, so so there was a lot of humor and I just recorded it because I had a lot of time and a pencil and a pad,
0: (laughs) so that's what I was doing
1: and I thought, well, okay, I'll put it in a book someday and I I guess I did.
0: Wow, that's an awesome story, that's amazing.
1: So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. But then, you know, when I, uh, and, and it also because I'm an actor, I'm a performer, it did inform my work. I played a lot of homeless people uh, and made a lot of money uh, in Hollywood as an actor being hired to portray a homeless person. And I kind of think that one of the reasons I was hired was there was a little truth to it. You know? Clo, mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, I, that the truth of my. Street living helped me make money because I I, mm-hmm. I I had I've the, the
0: real reality it. to base it on. Yeah, it's so, it more so more true because you had the realness to, it, to bring to it because you actually have been to it. That's that's yeah. pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it also um, sharpens your attitude. I mean, a lot of the characters like Mr. Heckles, you know, on, on Friends.
0: On Friends, yeah. You know, uh-huh. he,
1: uh, yeah, Mr. Heckles. Well, Mr. Heckles had a very funny attitude. I mean, I get this from fans. They they, they tell me,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: wow, I really like Mr. Heckles. And I go, why? You know, what about Mr. Heckles? I don't know. He was just his his attitude. It was kind of funny, but kind of snarky. It was it was kind of cool. You know, now that that's the way it was written. I mean, you know, I didn't yeah. make that part up. But at least uh, i could bring my knowledge to that to make them a, a little real so you know mm-hmm. it got me five shows i, I did five uh, five friends I, yeah about, uh mm-hmm. no yeah five, about five so yeah. i, I kind of think well whatever your life experience is even if you, you never lived on the street that's not important yeah. even if you just had a, a happy family life mm-hmm. you bring it along you know and you plug it in you know in your poetry and your writing and your acting whatever it's all based on you. Yeah,
0: most yeah. definitely, most definitely. Well, I guess you brought up Mr. Heckle, because I know, like, I guess Mr. Heckle was the reason Joey moved in with Chandler.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a very <laughs> traumatic uh, show, actually, because um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you do five shows uh, on, a, on an episodic, uh, you know, TV series, a uh, comedy series especially, well, at least back in the day, uh, when I was doing those shows, I did five. And if you do five shows, each show you're hired as a one-off. You know, they, there's no promises you're going to get another show. You Just and if they like you, they'll write a part for you again, until you do five. But on the sixth one, if you're hired on the sixth for a sixth show, the union says, and I think it's really cool, that you become a recurring, which is a totally different pay scale that is a a huge bump and if you're a recurring then you're guaranteed of a certain more amount of shows and you can kind of put a down payment on a a modest home which is a great gift to be able to do that and so Mm. on the fifth show i was ecstatic because i one more man and i'm a recurring and wow I, you know, I, I didn't. Well, I had stopped couch surfing, but I was not quite out of it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I had it in my own place; it was a little, little place that you you rent. But the memory of couch surfing was still in my mind. But uh, so for the fifth show, my agent called me and he said, "Well, I got good news and bad news." And I go, "Well, what? What could be the? Okay, tell me the good news. Let's hear that." You know. So he said, "Well." friends called you got your fifth show and I was ecstatic oh man cool one more and I'm a recurring yay oh, what could possibly be the bad news and he said well on the fifth show you died
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
1: within 10 minutes no within 10 seconds of me talking to my agent I had a house down payment and friends took it away. <laughs> I mean, you know, for oh, 10 man. seconds, I, know. <laughs> you know, I just thought I had... So when I went into the show for, to do the fifth show, I, I was really... I have an attitude problem, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm over it now. But back in the day, I <laughs> had an added, a chip on my shoulder. So I went back, I, I, uh, I kind of was angry with the producers for killing my character, and I let them know that. So for the rest of the shoot, for the week that I was there shooting, nobody would come near me. They were afraid I would unload on them or something. <laughs> so I was a very lonely, fifth show. Nobody Aww. would talk to me. If I went over to the, uh, uh, the uh, craft services table, you know, to get some food or coffee, whoever was there would walk away and they would <laughs> stay away until I walked away. It was the weirdest show I've ever done, and it kind of gave me a lesson on, you know, curbing my enthusiasm. Is it the quote, curbing my anger. You know, hey Larry,
0: yeah, cool it, man.
1: So that was kind of <laughs> a lesson. But that, that's my, my memory of the friendship.
0: Oh man, oh.
1: <laughs> But there's yeah, a, other shows came along and kind of that memory, you know, kind of faded. So it's, you know, get along to get along.
0: I guess.
1: Yeah. So long yeah,
0: to get Yeah. Along. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I see that, you know, uh, the movie Billy Madison, which I, I watched, I watched some of, um, you were the one that talked him back into going to school.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I wanted to do that. My friend directed it. Uh, well, he, he was directing it. That's why I was hired. A, a friend was hired by Adam Sandler to direct that one. And, um, uh, Billy Madison and so I was hired I, I, I needed some money uh, I, I was working but actors always kind of need money unless you're unless you're a star but
2: that's that's <laughs> a long way
1: off so uh, I, I said hey man you know you're directing Adam Sandler's movie give me a part now I was a full-blown hippie at the time my, my hair was mm-hmm. down on my shoulder and uh, so he said well I, there's no part for a long-haired guy like you uh, if you want a part, uh, there is one part. It was Carl, the part that I finally got. But he said, you have to cut your hair off. You got to get a short haircut. It's a business guy. And I didn't want to do that. Said, oh, I'm not going to cut my hair, man. He said, well, OK, <laughs> then you're not going to be in the movie. That's it. And I thought, no, you know, you know, stop being so idiotic. I mean, you're an actor. You got to go with the parts. So I, I actually, yeah, I cut my arm hair off, I had a short haircut, oh, it killed me, uh, just seeing his hair fall on the floor in the, in the barbershop, uh, but I, he, I, you know, I, and I had to audition, and I got the part, and that was kind of cool, except Adam Sandler likes to play pranks, oh. he just is a, he's a prankster, and he would call <laughs> me in the middle, well, he'd have people call me at four in the morning, like, it, it, his fans, they would call me in the mail. Hey, can I come up and visit you? And then I'd hear him, no, I got to call at six in the morning. You know, you get you get early calls when you're on, uh, in a movie. So they would call me at like four in the morning. Oh, can I come over? No, you can't come over <laughs> and tell Adam, Adam to stop it. You know, I got to get up in two hours. So he would do that all the time. That that laugh in the, um, you know, when I was, I don't know if you got that far but the fans will kind of remember it there's a part in it where he says hey hey uh, carl he's introducing carl to his girlfriend it's uh, he they're in the, the house out in the back of his big house and he says hey you know this girlfriend this is carl he's my mentor and he and he says to me carl make that funny face and i had told he had heard that i had made a funny face uh, when i was a kid when i was in high school. I don't know where he got that from, but he knew about it. He asked me about it one day at lunchtime, and I said, oh, I don't. He said, you know, did you make a funny face when you were in high school, this funny face? And I go, yeah, but I was a kid then. I didn't. He said, no, let me, let me see it. What 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 was that all about? And I wouldn't do it, and he kept on saying, come on, come on, please, you know. And we were sitting at a lunch table, so everybody going, yeah, yeah, come on, do it. So I said, okay, but, you know, all right, just to stop him and stop everybody. So I I did the, this little funny thing. It was, it's cute, you know, but it's high school. It's not not funny to me. I hadn't done it since high school. He said, oh, yeah, that, that that's pretty funny. And he, he just said, okay, you know, so I got up and I, I left we're right then and there. I had just had enough. So I walked away, and then later on in the afternoon, we're doing that scene where... The, the, the script says, "Hey, Carl, this is my girlfriend. Girlfriend is Carl. He's my mentor." That's about the scene, really, uh, at that particular part. I think we said one or two other words, and, and then he said, oh, th- thanks, Carl." And then I left, and they, he and the girl had had a scene. But when the the first take on the first take, he goes, "You know, hey, uh, this, you know, this is you know my girlfriend. This is Carl. Carl is my girlfriend. Hey, Carl." And the camera is rolling. And he goes, hey, Carl, do that funny face for her. And I was so taken aback, like we're in the middle of a scene. And my instinct as an actor is, you know, just go with what's thrown at you. You know, improvise. Because, uh, you know, I'd been in Second City, so it's it was embedded in me like an instinct. Uh, he just said, hey, do that face. And without thinking, I did it. Now... It gets a big laugh. I watched it in a movie house. It gets a big laugh, but Adam Sandler's fans—well, even at the time—were high school kids, so they thought it was really funny. I was so embarrassed by it to this day, but it's in the movie, you know. So that—that's you know my only my only recollection of doing Billy Madison is the pain of me because he didn't do another take because he knew i wouldn't do it because now he, i was ready for it so he just said okay let's move on and that was it i didn't get a chance to like you know make it better he or not do it i didn't get a chance to not do it so that was kind of uh that threw me but adam loved it he thought hey that was really funny and I, you know don't do that man. <laughs> You know, because instinctively, I just reacted. Now, generally, that's a really good thing in actors, you know. Sometimes, you know, people go up on their lines and then they just improvise it. And, you know, the audience never, never knows whether that was written or improvised. A lot of, a lot of fans ask me that. They go, hey, you know that part in, you know, you know maybe in, in uh, Seinfeld, was that improvised or whether it was written? No, I don't improvise, I, I like to stick to the page, you know, I like to, I, I, I always, if I'm doing the part, it's because I like what's written, so I don't really improvise, uh, but a lot of actors do, a lot of the stars do that a lot, but there's, they've done so many movies that they're really loose, you know, they're not nervous about it improvising and stuff like you know in Jaws that that one line about you you're gonna need a bigger boat you know that yeah, line that's my
0: that's my favorite movie one of my favorite yeah we're gonna need a bigger boat that line <laughs> that, that was improvised
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was improvised. That was not in the script. So there you go. I mean, and, and <laughs> improvisation became famous. That's a famous yeah. line. Everybody
0: knows. Yeah, that's that epic. One. I told my friend in the yeah. grocery store "We're gonna need a bigger basket." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know,
1: uh, it's uh, it's you know, you bring to it what you can. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't
0: know. Yeah, most definitely. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Well, Adam Sandler is a jokester, huh?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I keep talking uncomfortable sometimes. I, I have a lot of friends that are jokesters, and sometimes me, I'm like a control, not too much of a control thing, but kind of. So if it's something that's a surprise uh-huh. or you like to joke around a lot, it, you know, I kind of, because I'm not a jokester, but I'm funny. I like to laugh. But I yeah. get like, hey, hey, that's well, not funny <laughs> do that right yeah, now exactly, no, I,
1: I like to laugh too I don't like to be the butt of the laugh No, right. you know, that's, uh, that's different So, Nobody I not know, but yeah. whatever You know, you can ask me about any other thing you want You know, too, I, I They're all stories of some, yeah. some sort You know, to all those, those parts I did
0: Well, I know definitely um, I took a look, and I, I know that this classic all time um, best Annie you were the dog catcher am I correct you oh were the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was
1: that was cool because I got uh-huh. to work with John John Houston that was amazing that guy yeah. you know famous I'm, I don't know about it's not famous people but I guess great people who, who mm-hmm. become famous or, or great people be or famous people because they're great not great people because they're famous but the other way around, and so that's why I wanted, I, I really wanted to do whatever I could to get into that movie, and yeah. I auditioned, again, I had long hair, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know the old order of it, was that came before, I, after Billy Madison, I think that was before Billy Madison, but I had my, again, my hair was long, and, um, I, they didn't have a part for me they just said go go talk to John Houston. he just wants to talk to you or, or the casting people want to present you to to John Houston, maybe to get a part so I was brought in and you know I was just in my street clothes I didn't know what part to dress for or what to act like or anything it was just a supposedly just he just want to see me so I went in and I uh, I had this long hair, and, and uh, the lady, uh, the casting director, brought me to him. and He was watching uh, he was watching videos of his day shoot. They were in the middle of doing Annie, and he was just sitting in his director chair watching a TV screen of, of the rushes of the day. He wasn't paying attention to me or anything. He was just staring at the screen. and She put me in front of him. He turned around. And he goes, and she was holding me, standing behind me, and she's holding my shoulders from behind. Like she's holding me up, presenting like, I don't know, like like a picture. And she's holding my shoulder saying, this is Mr. Hankin, Mr. Houston. Mm. And he and he says to her, please don't touch my actors, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, he's on my side. So that totally relaxed me because I was very nervous. I mean, you know, meeting John Houston. So he goes, so then she lets go, but I had long hair. And I think she knew that, and she didn't tell me, but I think she knew that I was being auditioned for the dog catcher, but I didn't know that. So she st- she's still behind me, she lets go my shoulders, and she gathers my hair from behind, like you're gonna put it into a ponytail. And she, she oh, puts it into a ponytail and she lifts it up. You know, so to get it, you know, to just get my hair, so I kind of look like I had a haircut because that's the, what the character was going to need. It was a haircut. It was 1930s; nobody had long hair. <laughs> so she, she, so then she lets go of my shoulders and she gathers my ponytail, and she says, "Please don't fool around with my actors, please." And she says, "No, no, I'm just trying to get his hair away so you can see what he looks like." Uh, with, with a haircut, and he goes, "I'm a director. I have imagination. Please don't touch my actors." I thought <laughs> he's so cool, man. He's just totally on my side. I, I, I was just totally, you know, blown away by that. And then he said, "You know, how do you do, Larry?" You know, and I said, H- "You know, hi. I'm, I'm fine." And he says, would you like to play the dog catcher? And I said, "Uh, yeah, sure. Would you like to play a dog catcher? not uh, cat I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, fine. Thank you very much. You know, that's all. And she led me away. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a great interview I just had or a great audition or whatever it was. But then the interesting part was when I got to the set, as a habit, I always go to the... um, to the, the first thing I do is I report to the, the AD, the assistant director, It's generally a kid or, or somebody trying to learn that. You get very low pay, they're generally young, about 25 or something like that. And so I went to the AD and they just checked you in and I, they always show you to your dressing room. But no, I wanted to see my costume. That was the first thing and I always mm. do that. I say, you know, you no, know, take me to the where my costume is. And he said, Oh, they haven't put it in your dressing room yet, but uh, but you know, the costume uh, the department is right there. He points me. I go to the costume. Some going. There, I said, well, You know, where's the where's the costume designer? And this guy comes out, kind of an anal retentive guy, and you know, very very fussy. And he, and he, and he I say, Oh, what are you what are you here for? And I go, um, I'm I'm the, the dog catcher. And he goes, oh right. And what he hands me is, I don't know if you remember or I don't, you know, starching white shirts, men's dress white shirts. You know, in the old days, yeah. he used to starch the collars. You know.
0: Yeah, that's familiar. Well, yeah.
1: I, I remember my father used to get his shirts. Uh, you know, uh, the the co- well, the whole shirt starched. So I remember sometimes I would help him get dressed or something, He would because I like peeling open the shirt, because starches, Mm. they start the whole shirt, you know, and they fold it flat. So it's all stiff. Everything is stiff. So I just like peeling it open, you know, and then I hand it to him. I I was a little, you know, child, but I I remember that. Well, that's what my costume was. You know, it was these uh, tan coveralls that um, dog catchers wear, mechanics wear. They're total cover-off. It's tan. But it was folded into a square about 12 inches by 12 inches, about, I don't know, three or four inches thick. But it was totally washed, cleaned, and starched. So I was with this brick, this this square (laughs) kind of brick. So I'm peeling it (laughs) open in front of him and I'm saying, I can't wear this. And he goes, what's the matter? I said, well, it's all starched and clean. This takes place in 1930. I'm a dog catcher. What dog catcher starches his uniform and has it yeah. stick and span clean? You know, I'm, I'm riding around lower Manhattan, which was like a ghetto back in the 30s. There's this, this dogs all over the place. This, <laughs> you know, I have a, 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 do- um, a truck full of dogs in the back. I'm about to pick up Annie's dog so i can't wear this and he says well you have to wear this that's what i you know designed that's what you're going to wear and i, I still so like i say i had an attitude problem and i said no i'm not going to wear this no you got this has got to be dirty i no, i'm sorry i just stood this so he says mm-hmm. well i think mr hankin we're going to have to go see mr houston about this i go yeah let's go you know <laughs> so i didn't he didn't know that i thought that john houston was my my buddy because of the audition so i said yeah let's go so he takes what was you know i i stopped halfway through unfolding the first sleeve so he takes it in his hand and he says okay and he marches me over to john houston again who was watching the day's rushes that's mainly mainly what directors do all day if they're not directing they're watching rushes i mean so he goes, uh, Mr. Houston, could I please talk to you talk to you for a second? We but now it had rained the night before, and it was sunny out. We were outside now, but it, it was drying up. But there was puddles around, not, not too few, uh, not, not too many, uh, <laughs> but there was puddles around. And uh, we walk up to him, and he's you know Mr. Houston, and he goes, Oh yes, and he looks at the guy. He says, uh, Hello. You know, John, or whatever the guy's name, and then he looks at me. And he says, "Oh, hi, Larry. Welcome to the set. Uh, what, what seems to be the trouble?" And the guy says, uh, this, "This this actor here won't wear his costume." And I and I go, "Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it's it's. Look at it. It starts. It's uh, I, I can't wear that. I, I'm a dog catcher. You know, I'm pleading my case to John Houston. And he says to the costume designer, please give me the costume. So he hands over this this board of cloth. That's my costume. And John Huston starts walking away. He gets out of the chair with with the costume, with this board, and he starts walking away. And we're like stunned, both of us. Where's he going? And as he's peeling open the costume, He walks over to the biggest puddle he can find, walks into the middle of it with his shoes and everything, and he drops it right in the the water, and then he steps on it all over it. He's stomping on it all over it. Then he picks it up out of the water. He shakes it out. He gives it back to the costume designer. He says, dry this out and put it on Mr. Hankin, please. (laughs) It's not cool. This is the best guy I've ever seen. I mean, you know, that takes temerity and just chutzpah to do that. I, you know, that's yeah. why John Houston, I think, is John Houston. Uh, you know, he, he knows he knows what's happening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk about control. You see, there's a guy who's in control. You know, if you want to <laughs> be a control freak, John Houston's your man. Yeah. You, you know, but, but, you know, you would think that the control freak would have been the costume designer you know because squeaky clean and everything no no he had no control he didn't know what he was doing no john houston drops the costume in a puddle that's (laughs) control he knows what he needs what you know what the time and the you know what i'm saying so that was the greatest piece of i don't know sort of direction i've ever heard a director give you know or, 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 or mm-hmm. yeah. So that I, I he's he's my I don't know. John Houston, you can't say anything bad about John Houston to me. Just he's just the, he's man. That.
0: <laughs> he's the
1: man. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, so that's he sounds like one of your story favorite of stories. Story. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, I sometimes I ask like what is it like one of your most memorable, you know what I mean? Like Well they know,
1: they all are so, because I gotta tell you you know I'm I'm dyslexic I had dyslexia uh, I've, I've had it all my life uh, you know you, you learn to cope with it and stuff like that and work mm-hmm. around it and work with it but basically it's not that I'm more intelligent or less intelligent or more creative or less intelligent than anybody else it's just that I I we dyslexics just think different our brains are wired different when they take uh, scans of our brain to mm. see wh- you know what what's stimulated by by what working or singing or talking or mm-hmm. whatever uh our our brains light up in different areas than normal brains so it just shows that we shun things around in different ways so i i i i mistake a lot of things like mm-hmm. for instance when i did barry this um uh, the uh, uh, Bill Hader uh, series oh, yeah. on HBO uh, called Barry is what it's called. I did a, 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 sh- a shot on that, and I that was the only that was the only uh, part acting role where I actually did research on. Uh, I, I was a Russian hitman I played uh, on that, and I was there to kill his partner. Uh, and they ship the backstory was they shipped me over from from Poland or Russia or someplace, uh, and uh, to 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 kill uh, actually Barry and his partner, and then they were going to ship me back so that there was no trace of who did it. So that's what I was playing, and I did a lot of research and I did a lot of rehearsing, and I had to have a Russian accent. I you know practiced that and stuff. Awesome. So I, uh, I showed up for the show and. Now, real. this is really, really good directors like John Huston, like uh, Woody Allen, like uh, Larry David, uh, many really great directors that I've worked with, Clint Eastwood, um, they don't direct you. Their role that they say, because I asked them, their role, they say, is casting that if you cast the right person you don't have to give anybody directions if you did your job of casting you you cast the right person with the right talent to just go you know do it whatever and that's the art and and and, and as and the storyteller you have to have a concept of the art of your story but directing an actor is very rare with with the really great ones okay so um I uh you know so I, I I show up and the first thing I say is where is where's the the Russian uh you know language person the Russian coach and they can't find her or or him I don't know they didn't say it was a male or a female okay so now I'm kind of nervous because I want to check to see if my Russian is right <laughs> nobody's around and then all of a sudden somebody comes and says you're up you're on let's go you know your're parts I go, oh, man. So right away, I'm nervous. And then I start doing, you know, what I had practiced at home and rehearsed. And uh, Bill Hader is directing, and he's not saying anything. And and I'm shooting the whole afternoon, and I'm expecting him to say, you know, close-ups, long shots over the shoulder, you know, just feeding the other guy lines, blah, blah, blah. Not a word. He's not actually giving any direction to anybody i was just working with with the guy i was supposed was going to kill so we're we're just talking and then but he's not giving him any directions either it's just so i'm just doing the best i can under the circumstances you know i'm I'm wondering about my accents i'm wondering whether i'm doing it right because it's a serious role and i didn't i you know i've been doing comic roles so at the end of the shoot you know it's okay Uh, so uh, Bill says okay Larry is uh, released he's finished for the day let's give him a hand you know when you're finished they always give you a hand the crew claps you oh hey nice work nice work so I I leave and then as I'm you know I got dressed and I came back in my sweet clothes to say goodbye to everybody you know especially to Bill I said you know hey can I ask you something he goes yeah what I said you know man I'm, I'm really sorry but um you know, you didn't give me any direction, and I was so nervous. I just, I just hope you got what, what, what you needed, but uh, you weren't saying anything. So, so, I, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, did I do okay? I was really nervous. He says, no, 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 uh, look, you did fine. You did great. The reason I didn't direct you was you were not doing anything like what we wrote. That's not the part, that's not the way we saw the Hitman. That that was not what we had in mind when we created the part. I go, oh, wow, you should have said something. And he goes, no, no, I didn't want to say anything because what you were doing was was just as good, if not better, than what we wrote. It was working, that was the point. You were helping the story. It wasn't what we wrote, but it was fine it doesn't matter you know it's you were telling the, the right story so that was kind of another clue as to what's going on in directors minds is you know again he basically he he cast the right person for the right part and if you do yeah. that and that's what john houston had told me if you cast the right person for the right part you don't have to direct them mm. And that, that john houston told me that and then all of a sudden, years later, his Barry, you know, I think it was two years ago, uh, Bill Hader tells me the exact same thing, he didn't express it that, I don't even think he knew that John Huston had told me that, or that he had ever said that to anybody. But yeah, so I thought, wow man, if I ever become a director, that's, that's a good thing to know. But it, it kept me in the dark, and I know a lot of actors who worked for uh, Woody Allen, say the exact same thing. I didn't know what I was doing and he wouldn't tell me anything. You know, <laughs> I was so nervous. And these were stars. These were not, you know, young actors. This was like a, mm-hmm. a major star that was telling me that. He said, no, Woody wouldn't say anything. He never he never gave me a direction. Yeah, because he cast the right guy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so it's an honor when but, he doesn't so, say anything. <laughs> ex- exactly, you know, but, it, it, but actors
1: are really very, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, maybe egoless in in that in that situation, you you always you want. Am I doing it right? Is this okay? Uh, you know, you want uh, feedback. You know, am I, how am I yeah. doing? You know, but I guess the big stars don't. I, I remember asking somebody about that, uh, like a star. I said, you know, you know, what do you do? You know, and he said, well, why are you nervous if they're not, you know, uh, giving you direction? you want to know why I was even concerned? I said, well, you know, I, wa- I want to do the right thing, uh, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, F the right thing. Just do it, mm-hmm. man. You know, I said, yeah. Well, what if he doesn't like it? So He doesn't like it. You're an actor, you know, do your thing. <laughs> okay. There's another piece of uh, good advice. Just go for it. You know, just go for it. You know? If it's wrong. Yeah. If, if, if you're not helping them, well, then then they'll tell you, hey, wait, no, let, let's do it, do it different. Yeah, sometimes they, they don't tell you, if they do give you direction, they don't tell you what to do. They just say, do it again, different. You know, that's kind of cool.
2: You know, yeah. it gives you a little,
1: little room to work, you know, instead of just doing it by road. Yeah. So yeah, each, each role is is, a, is kind of a, a different situation that you have to adjust to it. But if you do enough of those, you start to see the things that are the same. You know, how directors work, how you should work, how you work with other actors. Like sometimes, you, like one of the no-no's, which is really weird, I, I always appreciated it, but you, you just don't do it. And, and in all the years, it's always the same. You don't direct another actor. One actor mm-hmm. doesn't say, hey, why don't you do this when I say this? Which is what playing, which is what kids do. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, we used to play, you know, cowboys and Indians, you know, and you go, you know, okay, hey, so I'll shoot you and then you go down and then he'll come over <laughs> and you know, oh, thing and we'll ride away. No, no. <laughs> so I, the first time I did it, I, I my head was nearly handed to me. I go, you know, hey, if I do this, why don't you just do this? Hey, man, don't tell me what to do. You just do what you have to do. (laughs) Whoa! Okay, you don't have to tell me that again. But I asked around afterwards, you know, is that, uh, yeah, man, don't ever do that. No, that's a no-no. Don't. Yeah, so there's weird, I mean, see, that's what I see in what I do, is these little things, not not the big picture of the. Yeah. Do you like that part, or is it a yeah. meaningful picture? Of you can and take that yeah, I'm, I'm into for the lesson. little stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm into the just the people stuff. You
2: can you know, learn the human from.
1: beings that you know, reactions and the, the sociology of a group of people trying to make something.
2: Yeah,
1: know. that's on I mean, On... Like the big ones, like Annie, or uh, well, even Barry. I and mean, there's hundreds of people on set. You know, there's the crew and there's the camera people and the lighting people and the all the all the all the costumes and blah blah blah. So yeah, it's like a little either it's a very tiny city where you only have like maybe ten people, or it's like a hundred people to you know big. And you've got a you know I'm kind of a I sit home. I, I write a lot. I, I was always shy in high school, which is kind of weird. I guess that's why I'm an actor. It gets me out there. You know, it gets me yeah. out of myself. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an adjustment. Some people just love it. You know, they're they're just people persons. Yeah. Kind of not a people person. You know, I'm kind of lay back, see what's going on.
0: Yeah, kind of. That's my style, too. Yeah. <laughs> when it's kind yeah, of yeah. like I can get in there and do what I have to do, but after it's like, Okay, well, you laid back, kind of like doing my own thing, just chilling. Not too much a crowd for Right. The like in a crowd. Yeah, across. you know,
1: l- yeah. let me, and also the dyslexia. I'm very aware of my dyslexia so that I don't want to rush into things because I'll take things the wrong way or I'll do something that's not, uh, you know, righteous or uh, correct uh, because I just, Took it the wrong way, or took the situation the wrong way. I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing heavy or serious. But yeah. uh, I've gotten in, I've gotten in a lot of trouble as a youth because of that, where I didn't understand the situation,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I said the wrong thing. I've had, you know, my life threatened because I said the wrong thing to the wrong guy for the wrong reasons, not understanding the situation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he just took it personal, and you know, I mm-hmm. could have been beat up I've even been threatened with a gun
0: yeah.
1: frankly, just for saying the wrong thing, not not for mm-hmm. doing anything wrong
0: Yeah, and i have to do back with your, del- your what you couldn't control, kind of, was your dyslexia uh, and uh, you and know, yeah, and
1: it. you know somebody just took me, because I was an yeah. actor, uh, this is when I was on stage, I was just, I, I was an actor so uh, yeah. a friend said, hey I want you to meet uh, my, my other friend because He was impressed with knowing me, and he wanted to impress his friend with knowing me. You know, like, hey, this is Larry Hinton. (laughs) He's in that play down the street there. Uh, You know, look who I know. And I thought, you know, okay, I'll I'll go along with that. You want me to meet your friend? Sure. His friend happened to be a drug dealer, and he, uh, I didn't know that. And there wasn't any drugs around, we went over to his house, you know, everything was cool. So I'm just, you know, just, hey, you know, this is Larry, this is, uh, you know, my friend Max here, you know, how you doing? And Max, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm going to put this in my biography, I'll write my biography. And Max just looks at me. And he pokes out a gun and he points it at me and he said, this guy's a narc, you crazy idiot. You brought a narc into my house. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not a narc. What what the heck? You know, I didn't know. Now I'm totally out of my element. I don't know what the heck is going on. Uh, and, And he's saying, no, no, he's not a narc. And he says, yes, he is. I have a photographic memory. I know this guy. I've seen this guy before. And uh, and my friend who brought me there, thank God he had a, he was a fast thinker because the next thing out of his mouth was, he said, no, no, man, have you ever seen the committee? Which was the play I was in. It was like Second City, but in Chicago, uh, in in San Francisco. So he said, no, have you ever seen the committee down the block here at, you know, in Columbus? And the guy with the gun, he's still pointing it at me. And he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, why? And then he looks at me and he goes, oh man, you're in the committee. Hey, this man, he says to my friend, this guy's fucking funny, man. (laughs) He put the gun away. (laughs) But, you know, for a second, I, you know, didn't know what the kind of situation. Now that didn't have too much to do with dyslexia. It had to do with a mistake of my friend and mistaken identity. But um, I could have said, hey, you know, I could have wise-assed or whatever and got shot, you know, and sometimes I've done that without a gun, (laughs) just with people saying, hey man, who's this guy here, we don't need him around, hey you know, screw you, blah 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 you know, I'll give what I got thank God I didn't open my mouth at that that Mm. time, but yeah I found myself in ridiculous situations and that was a pretty ridiculous situation Uh, just because I was an actor, or I was in the wrong place, at the wrong time, for the wrong reason, you know M- mistake. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Life is like that, kind of. Yeah,
0: most definitely. You you definitely have a uh, a lot. You know what I mean? Of memory you know, stories that come along. You can tell you take the experience yeah. of everything you yeah. do and you take it with well, you into the next and a lesson and you know. Yeah, you I mean, remember. basically,
1: I think I was a a born storyteller, and I, I guess out of curiosity, dyslexia, ADHD, whatever, I get myself into ridiculous or (laughs) dangerous or weird situations just for the story. Like, I (laughs) knew all the time that I was homeless, for the whole year I was homeless, I knew someday, I said, this is gonna be a great story. I just, I just knew, you know, I mean, it didn't make it any easier for me to get, get through the day, but yeah. I just knew, you know, I'm gonna write down everything that's happening, you know. I would keep a diary, basically. That's mm-hmm. basically what I was writing. But I knew, knew that, you know, someday I'll do this on stage, which I did. Years you later. Did, yeah. I was mm-hmm. doing a one man show and part of it was, you know, the the humor of the humor and the downside of yeah. being homeless.
0: So you'd yeah, you you use it. Using, yeah. You know,
1: Without laughter,
0: I mean, we got to be at some point, like you said, probably not in the moment, maybe sometimes, but it, it, well, being yeah. able to look back and laugh about it, you know? <laughs> right. I but wasn't I laughing
1: <laughs> then, or well, even when I was nervous about, you know, not being directed by uh, Bill Hader, I wasn't laughing then. But later on, when I told, you know, he said, "Well, how how was how did it go, man? You know, how was the Bill Hader shoot?" You know, I, I told it in a funny way. You know, how scary I was and how he, you know, commented and blah, 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 and what was going on on the set. Yeah, the, the, that's Shakespeare. The worst turns mm-hmm. to laughter. I always keep that in mm-hmm. mind. You know, no matter how bad something is, someday this is going to be a funny story, or at least yeah. a good story.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? if, I, if I can <laughs> that's live through this, <laughs> if I can you have to laugh and you know, i made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> wow well you have a, such an amazing story and a a uh, uh, career and I know that you know it's getting down to the wire but I know there's all time Not I wouldn't say all time but I'm just going to say it <laughs> i working up to this um Breaking Bad uh the uh oh yeah the ju- um Junkyard Joe <laughs> ju- yeah Junkyard Joe old
1: Joe that, yeah, okay. that was uh-huh. that was a great thing okay like there you go um uh, Vince Gilligan, who, who directs it and writes it, uh, the uh, some of the episodes. He writes all the episodes. He owns the show. He created it. But he directed uh, me uh, in. I did two of those shows, and then I did El Camino, the movie that's
0: out. Yeah. There. Oh, yeah, that's I just is. actually watched it, and, yeah. Uh, you, you haven't watched it yet? Oh, it's I really just cool. started watching it. Yeah, well, when oh, I, yeah, you yeah, know, I we spoke before, and we talked about it, uh-huh. and then my friend, he was like, yeah, I just was watching that the other night, and I was like, oh, we'll put that back on. <laughs> you know, I had just started getting into Breaking that uh-huh. and I'll catch him watching it, and I'll be like, Oh i just, like, sit there and get sucked in. <laughs> you know, uh, so I yeah, because I just started...
1: Vince Gilligan didn't uh, direct me in the show when I when I did the TV show. I did two shows. He never directed me. You know, he just said, you know, mm-hmm. here's your costume, here's your words and do this. And I improvised a lot on that um, mm-hmm. uh, on the first show uh, because I was forced to. Because they gave me a speech right before I went on uh, mm-hmm. for the camera. I, I, because of dyslexia, I need, I need a couple of days. I need to get the scripts early uh, mm-hmm. because... Of how to get it into my brain, I have to do it by repetition over over several days. So uh, I just remember, it was a small part before I showed up on the set, and right before I go before the camera, they just handed me a, a full page monologue, an entire monologue, and I, I go, hey man, I I and I I always. Tell them beforehand. My agent tells them beforehand. You know, Larry gets the script early. You know, I just give him a couple of days before you know he shoots, and they all do it, so n- no problem. Great, fine. And I show up, and just right before I go on, I'm handed, and I said, No, no, you don't understand. I thought we understood that. You know, blah blah blah. He said, Well, you know, uh, one of the, uh, Vince had one of the writers write you a speech because he liked uh, your audition. That was the first day, my first time doing Breaking Bad. And I go, oh, man, no. See, being too talented, you know, I did a great audition. The right me huge speech. No, I've got dyslexia. No. So he says, well, you know, there's nothing. I said, let me talk to Vince. He goes, Vince isn't here. So, oh, man. Um, OK, fine. You know, uh, and I was starting to, like, get really nervous, but outside, not inside and the ad who i was talking to like no no let me talk to vince the ad goes no he's not around but he saw i was visibly shaken by by this whole page so he split (laughs) he couldn't handle it you know oh man this guy is you know nervous i've never seen you know he's got a great part and he's okay so he he walked away so i tried Mm. to memorize it but i i really couldn't. I think I maybe got it down once. I I think I had a about a half hour to, to wow. go over it. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to be fired. You know, I, there's certain things you just can't fix. You know, so I okay, yeah. fine, I'll I get fired. Darn, I, I'm really a big fan of this show. I really wanted to do this show. So I'd resign myself. So that kind of got rid of the nerves. So mm-hmm. that was, I guess, a good a good thing to do. Because being nervous is not good at all, but yeah. not caring might might be able to you know clear the way for some creativity to maybe come through. Uh, you know, who knew? Anyway, since you're on, it's like oh okay. He says, and he, now he remembered what I did a half hour before. He says, how do you feel? I said, I'm feel I'm fine. You know, I'm cool. You know, I come. You know, I made peace with being fired. You no, know, so I'm cool. You know, it's fine. So I get on the set and I, and I thought, there's one out. And I thought, if they break it up into pieces and shoot it so that they can edit it together and so I can do, you know, maybe you know, 10 sentences and 10 sentences and 10 seconds, you know, a close up or a long shot or over the shoulder, or something like that. I thought, maybe I could get away with it. I could pull it off. So I'm thinking that and I get up to the director and I go, hey, listen, um, how are we gonna shoot this? And he goes, oh, it's just gonna be a walk and talk. We're just gonna do it in one shot. You do do the whole thing at once. And I go, hey, how about breaking it up into sections? How about that? And he goes, no, one shot. We're just gonna do it all at once. And I just go, oh, okay. He says something wrong? I go, no, no, let's just do it, fine. So he goes, okay, I'll say, get way down there. He points down, we're in the junkyard. He points way down there. And he says, okay. Just start walking towards the camera, you're talking to the cop, you know, uh, Brian and Aaron are in this Winnebago, locked in the Winnebago. And uh, <clears throat> now the, the really hard part of it was, not only was it a speech that's a page long, but it's all legal jargon. It's legalese. It's, it's, I'm trying to tell the cop that I know the laws that prevent the cop from going into the Winnebago. Because it's on my property, and he needs a search warrant, which he doesn't have. So that's, what I'm, and I'm quoting him just legal stuff in the law that prevents him from going in there, because they'll be busted if they do. So it's important stuff. Uh, and so I, I said, okay, and he says, okay, Larry, you know, start walking and talking, action. So I'm just ad-libbing, I'm, I'm improvising. But I'm trying to memorize and thinking, well, you know, I'll just do my best and I'll just rattle on and when I get to the end, I'll be fired. Cool. Hmm. So I'm walking and talking and walking and talking and walking and talking and I get to the camera and he goes, okay, cut. And I'm expecting to say, hey man, you're fired. And all he says is, okay, let's just do that again. Go back to spot one. And I go, that threw me. He didn't mention anything. He didn't say anything. Oh, wow, I must have done it right. Okay, great. So I totally relaxed and I figured, wow, now I can relax even if I make a mistake, they've got it. So I don't have to worry anymore. And so I just, you know, I can make a mistake now. So I go back to the one and now I'm just rattling it off, you know, doing my best, you know, to just get it down. But I'm not worried about making mistake. We get to the end, he goes, okay. Uh, he says, let's do it once, just once more, okay? Just once more for insurance. I go, okay, fine. I'm, I'm just acing this. This is amazing. So, the, this, the third time I get back and then I see, I don't know if you know the script, who the script girl is. She's the, the there's a girl with the script in her hand or a woman, generally a woman. That's why I call a script girl, but guys do it. <laughs> uh So, they, they. Uh, She's coming walking towards me. I, I'm on spot one again. And that's a bad sign because when the script girl co- starts to work, walk towards you, that means that you've said something wrong or made a mistake, and she's coming over to tell you what the mistake is and to correct it right before you, you start again. So she comes over and I'm bracing. I'm saying, well, you know, what did I say wrong? Uh, and, she, and she comes over and she shows me the page that I had to memorize and every other word is circled and she says you've got to say it verbatim and I go yeah but he didn't say anything I uh, you know the director didn't say anything he says the director told me that you have to say it verbatim and she was very adamant about it and I'm saying um, let me talk to the writer and she says The director wrote this, say it verbatim. And she's like, kind of P.O. at me. The director Mm -hmm. wasn't, but she is. So I say, okay. And then the director yells, Is something wrong, Larry? And I go, No, no, nothing's wrong. She says, okay, then let's do it again. And uh, so I say, okay, fine. And he goes, Action. And I start walking and talking. Now I'm. sweating it. I'm trying to, you know, I don't know what I said. And I get to the end and he goes, OK, thank you. Moving on. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He didn't say anything and I was dismissed. And, you know, he said, thank you very much, Larry. Great. Fantastic. And I had done another scene before, which was the audition scene. And that was OK. So I, I guess I was finished for the day and I went home. And I, I wanted, I, I, I was very confused. So I waited two weeks to see how they were going to you know that's important stuff that I was supposedly saying how they did that how they were going to use it and why nobody said anything to me except the script and what happened was and this is incredible this is why move my friends uh, production company is called movies is magic and here's the magic what he did was and he knew it all along because as I was walking and talking the first time I I, there was obviously I hadn't memorized it. I was just saying a lot of stuff about the reason he couldn't get in. Quoting law that either was true or wasn't true. I was improvising. Legalese is basically what I was doing. And the director picked up on that immediately. And he figured if I did it three times, he'd have enough information to break it up, just like what I had said in the first place. And that's what they did in the show. So he took all the improvisation, the three basically trying to make it up. I wasn't, I didn't think I was improvising. I thought I was saying, you know, the true stuff. And what he did was, if you look at it again, there's no reason to, but but how it was shot was, you, you, you start with me that my first line was right on. I, I did memorize the first line. So that was on me. And then after I said the first line, the, m- my voice went to voiceover, over a picture of a shot of the cop I was talking to, and it stayed on him. And then it cut into the Winnebago, where they were, uh, you know, hunkered down, hiding in the Winnebago. And you hear my voiceover, and uh, then, in, in, while I'm talking, they had lines that were superimposed over my lines. So you hear them more than you hear the just guy outside going blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you cut to me with another line that I had memorized or got right. So basically, it was me them, the cop, them, the cop, them, the cop, me for a second, them, the cop, them, the cop, me for a second. You know, just little lines of me talking. And then it was what he had cobbled together as an, and, and was all voiceover. And I asked my friends, I said, did you see me in acting in that? I go, yeah. Well, what did you see? I said, you walking and talking. I said, no, look at it again. I was I measured it. I was on screen for, I think, less than 10 seconds. It was just what they had edited together legally that sounded even legal. So movies is so amazingly plastic. And you, you, you I, I think basically what I've come to the conclusion is if there's, if there's a film in the camera, you can't make a mistake even if even if you're blurred even if it doesn't come out of focus uh this was in uh, every year of the movie the candidate uh yeah uh-huh. it's a black and white uh, film with frank sinatra about a yeah. guy who was brainwashed anyway uh, one of the great stories about that film is frank sinatra did his part and was gonna fly to las vegas because he had a gig there was a car waiting outside because he had to appear on stage that night, and a flight was waiting for him. So as soon as he finished this shot, this last shot, they loaded him in a car and he was whisked to the airport and he was gone. So he told, I think it was Frankenheimer, I think, or one of those great directors. He told him before, he said, listen, I I have to get to the airport at a certain time so I can only do one take. And then I gotta leave, man, I really do, I'm sorry. You know just so just get it right okay and just one take and I'm, I'm out of here so Frankenheimer says okay I'm gonna work the camera because I, I can't you know can be no mistakes here so Frankenheimer shot the shot Sinatra hops in the car and disappears so whatever Frankenheimer got that's what he had to live with and when he looked at the rushes it was out of focus and there was no way, and Frank wouldn't come back for a reshoot. Frank, When Frank leaves, he's gone. <laughs> and that's it. He wouldn't yeah. come back. So Frank and I said, I don't care. The shots have to match. Like there's a close-up of the guy he was talking to, and then a close-up of Frank. Close-up of the guy he was talking to, and close-up of Frank. And, it, and he said, I don't have any other shot to cut to. So I can't have a guy talking to Frank Sinatra, the star that.'" the film and Frank Sinatra is not in the shot it's just this guy talking to who you know you just hear Frank's voice so he said put the blurred thing in there and he says yeah but it's blurred he says, i don't care i just need i just do it man i don't i don't care if they're going to you know review the movie as bad because of this one shot i i don't care i'm not going to leave a blank spot where you don't see Frank Sinatra I'm sorry. So, yeah, okay, fine. They released the movie. The movie was reviewed. And the review said, I've read the review. It, it actually was in there. In the, in the thing he said, is a great movie. But one of the great genius moves that Frankenheimer uh, invented was the fact that the guy Frank Sinatra was talking to was brainwashed. and And Frankenheimer had the point of view of the brainwashed guy looking at Frank Sinatra and his POV was blurred as if you are looking through the brainwashed man's own mind like they took it as a plus like it was the great genius trope of of, of cinema
2: to, <laughs> to
1: show what what the guy Thought Frank Sinatra looked like. I mean, they assumed the whole thing, and he got a great review. The whole movie got a great review. So, film is, and and a lot of I've talked to a lot of stars. They say the same thing. He says, "I've never been bad in a movie, according to the reviewers, because the editing room. If you're bad, they don't use it. You know, they cut it out, and they don't see." how bad you really were, <laughs> and I've looked at my parts you know I always watch my parts just to learn from mm. it and the bad stuff never appears you know the, the editors cut that out you know if I'm I flub a line or I say the wrong thing or I, I move off camera or I trip you <laughs> know it's just so cool <laughs> so you're always backed up so I there's another reason mm. to relax you know when when you're in a, in a film I've learned yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, I have kind of learned that
0: too story. with, um, with uh, interviewing um, people you know I've, I've, you know, you always seem to get nervous no matter how many times but I've learned that too like when there's like there's some kind of technicalities like oh great some, right. something real exactly. thing happens and I just tell myself that you're good at this you can edit that and you can make that amazing exactly. <laughs> I had to tell myself right now,
1: <laughs> as long as there's tape yeah as long as you're yeah. not on stage in real time for the paid mm-hmm. audience no. other than that you, yes. you, you, you yeah if it, it's recorded some way digitally yeah. on film or, or tape as,
0: as you guys mm-hmm. do yeah you're safe you know yeah I'm not, not live I can't take that back
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know when you're when you're live yeah yeah mm-hmm. well that, yeah. that's that's the difference movies is magic that's what he's talking about you know it's films.
0: Yeah, that's definitely. That's so awesome. I've had just the best time with you today. <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm taking away from, with this, with you, like, like le- lessons, too. You know, even though, you know, it's acting well, it's just, and I'm it's doing. It's just... Yeah. I'm, yeah, I appreciate it. Just, you know, I, I, I gained something from each of my guests, and I'm sitting here applying and listening to what you're saying, and, and kind of, like, registering with, you know, things that, you know, that I might you know, be yeah. feeling or I see or, you know. I guess you know. I started
1: out as a stand-up comedian, really. And I always think of myself as a stand-up comedian, not as an actor. And I think of myself first and foremost as a storyteller. And that I express as a stand-up comedian. So that's why when I go on sets, I'm not an actor. You know, I'm not part of Hollywood. I, I never think of it that way. I think of, I'm a comedian who can... Act enough to get this gig, but mm-hmm. what I'm watching is through the eyes of a of a comedian, of a storyteller. I'm not looking at it as as a as an actor or a, a part of a company. i'm yeah. I'm an individual like you or or, or 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 my sister or my friend who visit a set. I'm visiting a set. I guess that that's the way to put it. I, I don't belong here I'm a visitor and so I said that's how I get the stories that I'm telling you because if I was serious I wouldn't have these stories I'd be paying attention to my part and hitting my light and you that's know true. blah 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 so yeah uh, and and I think always even if I'm bad in this movie or even if I'm good in this movie it's a story that I'm someday gonna tell on stage or in a book you know Yeah it's so it's kind of cool. It keeps me, it keeps me grounded and yeah, I don't get carried perfect. away. Yeah. But thank very you very hungry. much for, for, for inviting me. You know, it's, it's always yes, a pleasure.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for, for joining me and I've had this, this the best time getting to know well, you. I you. felt like we just like spent a day together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. And we would love to have you back another time and to even come back and talk about, um, uh, the real Larry mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And the right. repos We would love to have you back to even, you know, talk about okay. that a little bit more
1: Okay, let me remind it. It's uh, Larry it's the it's the real Larry Hankin.com. It's not LarryHankin.com Somebody owns that and they won't sell it to me. <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, it's a, the real Larry is my website, and it's uh, being it's being built as you wa- as you watch it, so you can go on r- right now. Oh, or, the Loopholes dossier is a book of stories that um, I turned into funny little satires. But thank you very much, yeah Brandy. Really enjoyed no it. No
0: problem. No problem. We can't wait to have you back sir. And thank okay. you so much. And you have a lovely day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I need you to go over to Larry Hankin's website, thereallarryhankin.com. I repeat, it's thereallarryhankin.com. And you must check out his book, The Loopholes Dossier, a satire by Larry Hankin. A voice to be reckoned with, the next level. What makes my show the next level? Well, I give you way more guests, directors, actors, actresses, comedians, and many, many more. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. I do this for my listeners, and I'm giving you more and more with quality work each and every time. So keep listening to me, Brandy Joy, a voice to be reckoned with. If I didn't know that Larry was a comedian, I already had thought he was pretty funny. He's one of those type of people that just make you giggle and laugh. Probably, we are not even supposed to be laughing. and you find yourself sitting somewhere and you just start laughing because he just said something that was just so hilarious because he's just so, he's just so, so Larry. (laughs) The little time I spent with him, I felt like I spent a lot of time with him. You know, I love talking to him. I love hearing him speak. He has really cool stories about. You can tell just about every experience that he had in his journey. You know, in his you know his life in general, and in his career, he can he takes he takes things away from every everything that he's done or been through. He has an experience, a a memory, a lesson. And I find that that's so um, admired about him. You know, uh, I learned a lot from him. I've, I felt like <clears throat> that I took much value away from my time with Larry. You know, he's very humble and just who he is. You know, he doesn't try to make himself seem... Actually, he he very much is kind of you know as great as I I I think I know he is. He is just so just low keyed and humbled and just like you know he he doesn't even say that he he says he's a comedian that can act. <laughs> I, I remember he said that he he's not an actor he's a comedian that just that that can act. <laughs> I thought that was. So cool, what he said that and um, I'll always take that with keep that with me in um memory, and what Larry has done for me, you know, in my venture, you know, as um in the media and a podcaster given me um an experience, a story, a memory, a lesson, and I want to say thank you, Larry Hankin. You're an awesome, awesome man, amazing actor, uh, a funny comedian, you know, because a comedian should be funny, right? I guess you're not funny if you're not, if you're a comedian, you should be, if you're not funny, I guess you're not a comedian, <laughs> but you are, you are awesome, and thank you so much, and I'm so honored to have been able to hear your story, and hear, my listeners hear your story. And thank you for becoming a part of a voice to be reckoned with family. And you're always welcome here and we'll always, always be grateful to you. Thank you, Larry Hankin. You can find Larry Hankin's The Loopholes Dossier, a satire by Larry Hankin at Target, Kendall, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, $2.99 for the Kindle edition, and then $26.99 for the hard copy. So check them out. And his website, TheRealLarryHankin.com. When Larry shared about his time of being homeless, I thought that was very cool of him to be open to sharing that time in his life he um, you know very open about it and just you know straight to to it and you know and owned his responsibility of what he went through to become homeless and I thought that was awesome too because it wasn't a drawn out you know, it's just like, hey, these are the things that I, that I, you know, didn't do or did do, and and, and that was my situation, and I dealt with it, I learned from it, and, you know, picked up, and and we move on, and we learn from our lessons, and, you know, I just, that makes me just love him (laughs) even more, you know, because we forget, you know, sometimes that we're all human beings, and so we all go through stuff, and we all make mistakes, you know what I mean? And that's what make what makes us, it's all about what you do after, you know what I mean? It's not what you've done, done, it's what you do to fix it, or to, to make it right, or to deal with it. You know, just because we we deal go through stuff, or have a situation happen, or do something, it doesn't make you, it, what makes you is what you do afterwards, you know, like, it's like when you fall, are you going to stay down? Or are you going to get up? You know what I mean? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do to fix it, to change it, you know? And I think he's an inspiration, you know, and I just find that to be a, bit of a great value and a person. You know, in a relationship, in a friendship. You know, when, when we, we... Because these are all relationships, no matter what. Relationship means friends, family, um, uh, father, son, mother, son, all that. Those are relationships. And I think that's very important. And I feel like if we don't learn from one another, you know, and allow each other to learn from one another, then what do what we do you know if we can't grow together then we can't there's nothing really and I, I think that you don't have to always know somebody or know them for a very long long time to take to be able to uh, appreciate that about an individual and to learn from it and to grow you know with one another If we could do that more as people, as a nation, you know, and appreciate each other more. Even someone you've just met, you can take appreciation away from your encounter with another individual. Relationships are beautiful. Speaking and talking and communicating with another human being is a beautiful thing. It's all about what you decide to do with it. You know, I took that value in my talk with Larry Hankin. And uh, I just want to say, thank you for giving that to me and and letting me in and getting to know you. And it makes me want to open be more open more with others too which I have no problem doing that but it just inspires me more you know to share my thoughts, my life my, you know because all of us have so much to offer people take so not enough value in themselves you know and we're all great, awesome people. Some of us just haven't tapped into that yet. That you have something to offer, and that is amazing too. You don't have to be some great, great known, you know? We all have something great and amazing to offer. So, on that note, sorry guys, don't mean to, you know me I mean, Start, uh, get on, you know, a tearjerker or anything like that, or get real, real deep, but... <laughs> Because yeah, I can go many ways. Okay? You can go funny. You can go cry. Or we can get really, really mad and talk about everything that's wrong with the world. Or we can learn the solution. Or we can just learn to just be at peace with ourselves and each other and grow together. If we start there, then imagine what we can do. We can take over the world. But hey, who am I? I'm just podcast, just talking. those are my thoughts. But hear the voice to be reckoned with. My thoughts are heard. Hear the voice to be reckoned with. Your thoughts are heard. Remember, keyword here: voice. A voice for many. And here, your voices are appreciated. So once again, for the end of our 2019 year, a voice to be reckon the next level has arrived. Thank you, world.